0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, From Him, Through Us, For All, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. bye Woodside kids have a great time your parents will come back for you soon but have a great time learning all about how much God loves you and and how you can be a part of what he's doing in our world it's pretty fun as as we mentioned Uh, My wife has stepped in at at this interim time to serve in Woodside Kids. So I get to experience during the week kind of what maybe uh, Bill and Wes have been able to experience, like finding out what the kids are going to do and hearing about their lesson and the object lessons. And I'm thinking, wow, they have a blast. And they learn such important things. Why don't they just, like, come to the stage and kind of do it for us, I think we would learn a whole lot if they would do such a thing, uh, but it 's really a, an awesome ministry, so thankful for all those who serve in that way. Well, I wanted to give you a brief update on like what 's happening with our facility here. Um, obviously, we all thought that we would be up to our neck in renovation by now, right I mean uh, so we we started in First of November, to challenge one another to say, okay, what is God going to equip us to provide for this work of renovation that's needed in this space? And so many of you uh, sought God's heart and you communicated what he was saying to you and you made that commitment to give. And then since then, you've been giving towards the project. We've had um, about $80,000 given towards the project. And we've got, this is our last Sunday in our our window of time that we've said we hope you will give during this window by the end of April. Uh, So today is that final day that we've said we hope your gifts come in by now because we'll be doing renovation by now. Well, we're not. I'd still encourage you to give towards that. In fact, every gift that you give to the, to the Woodside Vision on your envelope, you'll see that line item. All those gifts will go fully to the project here in Algonac, so you can continue to give as, as God guides you. Um, but here's the issue. When we set the, uh, the financial goal um, way back at the end of summer, Uh, The budgeted estimate or the estimate for this project now ends up as we're getting bids in to be about $30,000 less than what reality is. So that requires us to think and do that, scratching our head and saying, okay, how can, we, how can we do this? We know God wants us to do this renovation. How can we accomplish this? So right now we're in a process of kind of crunching numbers, looking at ways to kind of pull back and what our initial plan was. What are some alternative um, methods that we can take to, to afford the renovation that we need to do? Um, we're looking at different phases. So what can we do to just get us into the renovation? And maybe there's some things that we wanted to do that we'll do later. Uh, so we're, we're, all in that, we're in all of that process. So thank you for your patience. Can I ask you to continue to pray for us as we, as we desperately need God's wisdom? We know he wants us to do this. We know he'll fully equip us. We just need to know a little more clearly what his plan is for accomplishing this mission. Um, but praise God, we still have a place to meet right isn't this isn't this great to be in a place that uh we we have an audio system that works uh we have we have lights that work oh um we, we have heat when it's cold. We have, we'll see if the AC works. We don't know if that works yet. So, you know, that's something we're going to try out this week. Uh, but praise God, we have a space to gather and worship and plenty of room to bring your friends uh, to continue to extend the invitation to others that, that need a church family that will love them, where they will hear the clear teaching of the word of God, and they can grow in their relationship with Jesus. So the mission doesn't stop while we're in this process of figuring out what to do with the facility. The cool thing is God never relied on a facility to spread his truth. In fact, I even think back to that time when David said to God, I want to build you a temple where people from all nations can come and worship you. And God's response was, who said I needed a temple? You can't contain me. You can't contain my work. You don't need to come to a specific point on the map to be a part of what I'm doing. But you know, what you've suggested, I'm going to honor that because I know your heart in it. And God then provided a beautiful way for the temple to be constructed. Maybe we should take that posture. God doesn't need us to have a fully designed, beautifully uh, decorated facility for God to do his work, right? I mean, you are the work of God. I am the work of God. And we can be a part of that, whether it's renovated or not. Um, The work doesn't just take place on a Sunday morning. His work takes place 24-7 as he empowers us to go into our world. So anyway, keep praying, keep praying for that and we'll keep you posted as as God provides direction. Let's dive into 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Would you please turn in your Bibles there? If you brought your Bibles or to open your devices, uh 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I had mentioned a couple weeks ago when we started this series that I was just so excited about us to spend time in these two chapters. I love these chapters. I've spent a lot of time diving into them personally, just my personal time with God. I've enjoyed teaching from these chapters in several different times in my pastoral ministry. I just love this. Um, So you know kind of the context of what Paul is writing about. There is a crisis that was happening in the city of Jerusalem. If you remember, Jerusalem is where the church, in some sense, was born. Where the disciples had gathered in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came and filled them, and then they went out into the marketplace and began speaking the gospel in many languages. And that day, 3,000 people came to know Jesus. And, and they believed and they committed to, to that g- to that church, the church was formed. And then since then, the apostles and others were sent from the church to go into various regions uh, throughout that Asia Minor, that Roman Empire. Well, at the time of this writing, there was a crisis happening back in Jerusalem. We assume it was a famine. If it was a famine, it would have been especially difficult for believers in Jesus because here's what happened to many of the believers in Jerusalem. Because they claimed that Jesus had risen from the dead, they were kicked out of the synagogue. They were excommunicated from the, the designed community support system. So many of them lost their jobs, many of them their homes. And they maybe lost extended family connection. So because of that, many believers were struggling with very difficult poverty. So Paul the Apostle is going to the churches in this region of of Asia Minor to say to the new gatherings of believers in all these different cities, hey, it's time for us to step up and provide assistance back in Jerusalem. They sent us the gospel. And now we have opportunity to send them a gift of material means because they are in need. Paul had already spread this message throughout and many of the churches had responded by saying, yeah, we want to do that. We believe God is in this. We want to be a part of this ministry. And so then Paul then describes now in this letter as he's writing to the Corinthians that, okay, it's time. We've got a crew of people that are coming to receive the gift that you said that you wanted to give. Don't let us down. Right? It's kind of that thing of, okay, you said you wanted to give. We appreciate your desire. And now it's time to follow through in what you've committed to do but Paul doesn't say okay step up get your wallets out and let's do it in fact as you read this there's there's only two statements of what you would call imperative instruction two statements where Paul tells them what to do instead he says I want to tell you about these churches in Macedonia because this is going to be incredible and then he tells about the church in action I love to see the church in action. I love, Joe, you mentioned what happened yesterday. And many of you know about this because many of you were involved in ministry yesterday. I mean, it was all over the place. This whole region of Algonac was covered with ministry. Uh, many of those ministers were from this church here. So obviously we had the food drive yesterday where we served dozens and dozens of family with, uh, with quality groceries to help them with their food insecurities. The right number of you were serving there. While that was happening, This area was spread, filled with with people initiated by people of this church that provided a craft show or bazaar kind of thing specifically to raise funds for a family in our church that's going through a medical and financial crisis. This is the church stepping up, not because the pastor said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We've designed this thing of ministry, so everybody show up and do that. Now, well, that was kind of the food drive, right? And that was okay. But what's so cool, I think, is that you did. You showed up. But then meanwhile, there's just a group of you that said, hey, they're having trouble. When they have trouble, we have trouble. So let's come together and serve. And so all morning, there was just that love and generosity poured out on a family that needs a church to help them through this time. I love to see that. And the cool thing is, the rest of the community says, I love that. I want to be part of such a thing. So in other words, it's contagious. Generosity is contagious because there's so much joy in it. Especially when generosity comes out of a heart that's experienced generosity. That was Paul's challenge to the church. He said, God has been so generous to you, and it's such a joy to now allow his generosity to overflow into your generosity to others. Thus, the name of our series, the study of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, overflow. God's grace in us, through us, to others. That is a beautiful way to live. Instead of conjuring up generosity in your own power to say, God, you've been generous to me, which that generosity now empowers me to be generous to others. So I'm just like a channel, right? Like the middle channel never has to f- figure out where do we get money? Or excuse me, where do we get water for, for to flow down our middle channel? No, it, it just comes. It comes from what's being poured into the middle channel, and then it carries it down into Lake St. Clair, right? That's who you are as believers in Jesus. Your channels, in whom God has poured out his love and generosity, so now you have all you need to be loving and generous to those he calls you to serve. It's a beautiful, freeing, life-giving way to live. Well, this isn't the message yet. I'm just kind of laying out where we're going today. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to see how the Corinthians' readiness excels when they are generous in reliable partnership. That ready giving excels with reliable Partnership. This is this is so good. I, I I hope that you really can I hope I can communicate this adequately because it's so good. Paul starts by challenging them to fulfill their eagerness. Let's read. Verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, whoever gathered little had no lack. Now, what was Paul saying in these verses? Because it seemed to be a little confusing, right? As we read through that, you thought, oh, okay, well, hold a minute. Readiness and eagerness and desire and fairness. Paul tells them this. Here's my advice. Here's what I encourage you to do. At the beginning, you said you really wanted to be a help to the Jerusalem church. My advice is, follow through. That good intentions don't accomplish anything. Have you found that to be true? Good intentions don't accomplish anything. You know what? I need to start exercising again. They go to bed that night. That sometime tomorrow, I'm going to start exercising again. And you wake up, it's kind of tired, and it's just better to have your donut and coffee. So you have your donut and coffee, and then you're not feeling like you really should exercise much. And then you go throughout your day thinking, when I get home, that's when I'm going to step out, and I'm going to, kind of, I'm going to take a walk. And then you get home, and it's been a long day, and your dog tired. And, and so you think, you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to start exercising. I really need to do that. Good intentions accomplish nothing. Paul says, it's time to fulfill your desire. You intended from the beginning to be a part of this. That is a good motivation. So Paul's affirming that eagerness on their heart. He's saying that eagerness that you expressed is a very good thing. In fact, motivation is really important to Jesus. Where Jesus says it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So so what's in your heart is a very good thing. Paul doesn't condemn their good intentions. He, he He doesn't criticize them by saying, yeah, you just wanted to do it and you haven't done anything else. Didn't mean anything. He's saying, no, that was a good thing that you desired to be a part of caring for the needs in Jerusalem. But Jesus doesn't want there to be begrudging obedience. Right? He says there's a a diminished value when you do something just because you were told to do it. Your wife says to you, you know, you haven't given me flowers since we were engaged. It sure would be nice if someday sometime you just thought of me and thought, I love my wife so much, I should get her flowers. Okay, I'll get you flowers. And you run to the car and you drive to Kroger's and you get that $5 bouquet and you bring it home and you slam it on the table and say, there you go. There's your flowers. How much value would be invested into that relationship, guys? Tell me full value or no value. Tell me, guys. It got it all wrong. It actually probably hindered more than helped, right? God's interested in our motivation. He wants us to serve out of a desire to honor Him, not because of an obligation. It's not to say there's not a time for discipline and, and structure in order so that you are intentionally designing your life so that you are accomplishing those important things. There's nothing wrong with having a a list of values in your life. Have I demonstrated romance to my wife? That doesn't take away the value. What takes away the value is is a begrudging spirit. Where Where Paul is affirming to the Corinthian church, this is a good thing you longed to do. So he affirms the rightness of wanting. Then he moves into this second section of this, of this passage where he begins to affirm the proportion. He says, it's good that you desire, that you are ready and desiring. Now, I want you to match your completion to your desire. He says, it's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So Paul gives this principle, as you live generously, God isn't holding you accountable to give what he hasn't provided you to give. That he calls us as believers to be a conduit of providing what he has given to us to give. In other words, God's responsibility is equip you your responsibility is to utilize it. The process gets hindered when we as believers start looking at his provision as ours. Where we begin to hoard those blessings to ourselves. Paul says, I'm not asking you to to give what I haven't given, what God hasn't given. He said, I'm asking you to provide what God has provided. This is a principle he gave to them in this previous letter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, when he says, on the first day of the week, let all of you lay aside as God has prospered you. That this this is a regular rhythm that God calls believers to do. As God prospers you, you lay aside a portion so that when the need is there, you have the means to give. In some sense, it's a spiritual discipline, not begrudging. And that's why some people say, okay, so how much do we lay aside? Like I don't want to give too much. Well, I don't want to give too little. So you just give me a give me a dollar amount or give me a percentage. What In the Old Testament, there certainly was a a 10% that you can discover, but there was also another 10% of temple tax, and then there was another various percentage, and so it was like 30% of people's income that God was saying that you provide under the law to care for my mission. We get to the New Testament, and the emphasis is, how has God prospered you, and what's the intention of your heart? In other words, it's not a matter of saying, okay, God, yours is 10% and I get 90. This is God saying, actually, everything you have is mine. And so how can I meet your needs? And then you ask the question, God, how have you given over and above my needs so I can be generous in your mission? So our giving is proportionate to his provision. He says then, that a giving is to be equitable. He said, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need when that time comes about. This, he's, not, he's, not, he's not giving a concept of equality. That I want you all to be equal in this, you know, kind of a socialistic idea where there's this mandated, I'm going to take from you and give to them so that we're all equal. That's That's never implied in Scripture. But instead, it's this recognition of we are all part of the same family. That when one has need, we all consider, how has God supplied me to be a part of meeting that need? Realizing that that's how healthy families function. When there's a need, we respond. Because we'll all be in a place sometime where we have a need. It's kind of hard for us Western thinkers, isn't it? when we're kind of individualized in our, in our thinking where it's, where it's us and all we think about is how it affects me and, and, and not others that, that we're responsible for, for what we have. But in a very real sense, Paul was saying, actually, the body of Christ is about us. In fact, here's the cool thing he was doing. You know, it, you've probably been around church and the teaching of the Bible enough to know that there was some heavy tension between Jew and Gentile. Right, there's some animosity between the two of them. Check this out. He says to the Gentiles, now the church in Corinth, it's time for you to look and see how God has blessed you so that you can bless the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. Because think of what they've done for you. They had the gospel, and they then took it to the Gentile lands to say, "We our treasure is big enough for all of us. So we broke down this wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile by saying, we want to share with you the gospel. So Paul says, you know, there's great joy when you reciprocate that and say, yep, and because we are now part of one family, we're here to share generously with you as Jewish people. So Paul gives them this principle of equality that we are one together in the family of God. Can I give you, can I give you just an example of this, even how it, ref, it was reflected um, here at Woodside um, this week? I got this letter, an envelope came in our mail uh, this week, if I can find it here quickly. And I and I shot a picture of it to several of you because, it, to me, it was just such a powerful thing. Here's a letter we got to the Church of Algonac. It says, Dear Pastor Dan and Woodside Bible, Algonac Campus. I got extra money back from income tax and felt like God spoke to me to send some to you for your new campus. It's not much, but I know God will put it in the right place. And help your church grow. God bless you for all you are doing for Christ. Sincerely, this person from another campus. Isn't that cool? So here's a week where I I realize, you know, I need to fill our campus in on, I don't know how God's going to do this. I know he's going to do it, and I don't know how he's going to do it. He's going to meet our needs. And then God says, yeah, let me tell you a little bit how. And here's a man on a fixed income that doesn't have a whole lot of extra to give until he got that tax refund and God put it in his heart that this isn't just for you to maybe now upgrade a Harley, that maybe this gift is now enabling you to step into ministry in a community maybe he's never visited and say, I get to be a part of the work that God is doing in Algonac. is that a beautiful thing? If that's what God calls all of us, how he calls all of us to live. Is that when he prospers us, it's not just so that we can have more, but he prospers us so we can experience the joy of overflow, generosity, good intentions bring joy when there's fulfilled eagerness, right? When your intentions result in action. That's what Paul's calling them to do. And I believe that's what he calls us as believers to do also. Here's another cool concept. Maybe this excites me more than you, all right? So I'll I'll put that out there. But I think this is really cool. Secondly, he says, follow through with reliability or the concept of responsibility, I mean, this is kind of a crazy thing for Paul to go to the Corinthian church and say, there's believers that live 800 miles from you. What I'm asking you to do is to gather some gifts because this crew of people is going to take that gift 800 miles to a group of believers you've never met. Okay, he doesn't say, I'm going to wire it securely because we want to make sure that they get their money, right? They were going to carry these gifts across The Mediterranean Sea, or however they get from one place. Yeah, that would have been the Mediterranean Sea, and down to Jerusalem, right, to present these gifts. So there's a lot of risks in this. But he calls them to it anyway. So here's how he does it. Verse 16. Thanks be to God. He put it in the heart of Titus, the same earnest care that I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he's going to you of his own accord. So in other words, Paul says, we've identified Titus. We've asked him to come to you and begin to gather these gifts that you said you wanted to to give to Jerusalem. Later on in verse 23, Titus is described as a partner and fellow worker for your benefit. Anyway, let's keep reading. He said, with him, with Titus, we're sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. He's not named. We don't know for sure who this is. I'd suggest this is Apollos because Apollos was known for his preaching of the gospel in this region. So maybe it's Titus and Apollos. says, not only that, he's been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Okay, what is this? This is Paul's way of saying, okay, it's not just passion. There's also responsibility we need to consider when we are utilizing God's provision. He says, we've tried to do this carefully. We've appointed Titus. He's been tested. People know him. They know he's a man of high character. And he's so excited about serving Jesus in this way. We've, we've joined him with Apollos. You know Apollos. And you know the man of character that he is. So there's accountability here. And these are people of high repute that they can have full confidence that these men are not going to embezzle any funds. That's what Paul's saying. We're guarding ourselves from any kind of potential embezzlement. So they're going responsibly to receive this gift. Why? Well, because we're doing this in the sight of God and people. We want to do this in a way that we can be free from accusation. That people can have full confidence that we are rightly managing these gifts that God is providing through the church. You know, it's so important, especially as you see the news articles throughout our culture, it's so important that we as a church manage these finances properly. That we have, and I I praise God even for our security team, how they have strict policies in place so they can be free of accusation or even temptation that we've carefully identified people to serve in this way of processing the generosity of God's people and then getting it to the place of ministry. Woodside has a finance committee that is carefully vetted uh, by the elders who carefully monitor the proper use of finances. Why? Because we don't trust one another? Well, the reality is we're humans, and we want to be in good standing before God and before one another, because it's the right thing to do. It's properly managing the stewardship of what God has provided for us. Again, let me give you an example from this week. I received a, a message from a, a very soft-hearted and, and sweet young adult in our church, uh, not not our campus, but but another campus, and she shared with me her burden that had begun to grow in her heart for the tragic situation, specifically in Uganda in Central Africa. And of course, how their uh, food insecurities is just a whole different picture than food security here. Where the children are dying, the infant mortality rate is, is so high and education is so hard to come by and there's civil war and, and such, such, such heartache. Well, she had entered into a conversation of someone from Uganda And it was her desire to now find ways to send resources to this person that she met on Facebook to care for the needs of Uganda. So she messaged me to find out if this would be a good thing for her to do. So even as I tell that, what things come to your mind? Oh, wow, be careful. Right, so, so first, wow, praise God for your soft heart because there are difficult things happening around the world and God has blessed us with so much here. Has he not? So much he's blessed us with and in parts of the world, there is so much need. So that desire to give is so good. I honor that desire. But we need to facilitate generosity responsibly. So it's so important, I was able to share with her, so important that you have full understanding of who this person is, that there is safe accountability because these are God's resources that we, are, we are, want to be generous with. We want our ministry to be fully effective and he's called us to be responsible in that generosity. And it was really cool to be able to say, you know, we've got a ministry partner in Uganda. We send missions teams to Uganda. We've got a tested means for us to provide financially into the needs of of even specifically that country. And so it it was just interesting timing. It was this week as I'm pouring over this passage that I get that message from an eager young adult who wants to be a blessing to the nations. It's like, God, thank you. Thank you for such practical teachings in your word where we have an example of a church and a mission that says there are so many opportunities, but we have to do it responsibly. So, my time is up. What, what are we saying? We're saying this. When God places a desire in your heart, celebrate that desire. And then take steps of action of, God, how can I fulfill this eagerness that you put on my heart? Because a good desire doesn't accomplish anything unless there's action behind it. And you see that in our culture today, even on the Facebook world, where if you just make a post, you feel like you've helped the cause of this need, right? Well, posts don't really help a lot unless there's actions behind it. So desire is good, and then follow through with the Spirit of God and His provision. How can we fulfill this desire? But secondly, how can we do it in a responsible way? So I guess my second application is, one, give responsibly. Also, continue to pray for even our church here at Woodside. That we would continue to pursue authentic accountability with one another, so that we can have that assurance that the, gifts, that the gifts are faithfully and wisely utilized for his mission. Joe mentioned the annual celebration coming up in, um, in two, three weeks. It's a chance we have as a church to come together and see how God has provided to receive a report. I want you to know right from, right from the beginning that you have permission to ask for a detailed financial report because what you get there is just gonna be an overview, a 10,000 foot view. But the full detailed report is available for any member that would like that because we want to be faithful to give responsibly. So would you pray for me? Pray for our leaders. Pray for the decisions we have to make going forward, even for a project such as this. And then for the way all of our Woodside campuses seek to wisely invest into his mission in our world. Let's pray together. Father, we're, we're thankful for such a practical expression of the church, Lord. Almost, almost seems a little bit odd that we're just told of an example of a church and how they give, and yet in that example, Lord, we're motivated. We have greater clarity, Lord, of how you can empower us to be a part of your mission. Lord, I thank you for the generosity of your people and how we give, Lord, out of the abundance that you provide and out of of an eager heart, Lord. Thank you for for how, Lord, we can freely open our hands and give as you prosper, Lord, because you are the source of anything good. I pray, Lord, we wouldn't just live this way with our church family. This is how we would live in our world with that spirit of generosity. Overflow with us, from us, Lord, and may your grace shine through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, let's stand together and let's, with an eager and desire, let's be generous with our praise of God. Let's sing together. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org/connect to introduce yourself today.